Fantastic. Well, good morning. Good morning, Sunny Hill family. It's great to kind of be with you. I guess it's especially special for me this morning to be in a room with some of my brothers and sisters who I haven't actually seen in the flesh for yes, several on. months. So come it's on. great. It's great to be here, even though I've been absolutely rinsed and slated this morning. <laughs> I, think, uh, I can't believe it. No. You're just lucky that social distancing rules apply right now. Because <laughs> otherwise, guys, uh, you might be uh, on the end of something. But hey, 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 come on. It's great to be here. It's great to be involved in one of these Sunday live broadcasts. I've obviously, as many of you know, I've been on furlough for three plus months. And so I've had the joy and the privilege of just being able to gather at home with my family and watch these broadcasts. And they have been a real treat. And actually, I just want to take just a moment to honor these guys. And uh, what, I, what are you pointing at? Just read. Oh, the silver fox. <laughs> thanks, thanks, thanks. There you go. The silver fox but just take a moment just to honor and thank these guys who have worked so hard every sunday morning dom and lou adam and Fu, richard all the guys who've been involved in the tech i'm here this morning and i can tell you it is not a simple situation there is so much going on so much to think about so much to go wrong so much work energy effort has been um put into to running these Sunday live broadcasts. So wherever you are, just give a little ripple of applause. A ripple of applause for especially Dom, Lou and Adam and Fru have just worked so, so hard every Sunday. It's not just the Sundays, it takes a lot of preparation and effort in the week leading up to it as well. So thank you guys. Bless you and it's my joy, it's my privilege to uh, be able to open the Word of God with you this morning. Last week, Adam um, started a mini series with us called Praying with Fire, creatively titled Praying with Fire. And the prayer, the hope for this series is that God, by His Spirit, would use some of the things that we talk about and explore together over these few weeks to drive all of us as individuals and as a collective community to a deeper place in our prayer life, yes. to a more fruitful an effective prayer life and uh the series it's only is it this week and next week as well adam is it august, just yeah. august all of august we're going to be exploring this theme together and it's semi-inspired by this book called dangerous prayers by uh pastor craig grosso he's a great christian leader writes some fantastic stuff loads of resources that are really helpful that he produces and he's written this book called jane dangerous prayers and It'll be worth getting hold of a copy if you can. And his, his premise, if you like, in the book is to challenge, um, particularly the modern Western Christian, to begin praying prayers that are not so safe. Yeah. He, yeah. he suggests that the modern Western evangelical Christians, we spend most of our prayer life praying things that are fine and good and yeah. right, but are just a little bit too safe. I'm sure you can relate to this yeah. in your own life. Don't we spend a lot of our time when we pray asking God to do things like, Lord, would you bless me? Yeah. Would you bless them? Would you bless him? Would you bless her? Lord, would you protect me? Lord, would you help me? Lord, would you yeah. lead me? And these prayers are all right and good you know the scriptures model these kind of prayers for us and so it's right that we should be praying them in our own lives but pastor craig would suggest that they are perhaps a little bit 
too safe. You see, when we pray things like, Lord, bless me, protect me, help me, lead me. Essentially, what we're doing with those prayers is we're asking God to do something for us. Lord, would you bless me, protect me, lead me, guide me, help me, do something for me. But Pastor Craig, and it is my conviction as well, would suggest that there is a deeper, more powerful, more dangerous level of prayer that moves from us asking God to do something simply for us mm. and instead asking him to do something in us. Yes, so good. Right? Yeah. There's a huge difference between asking God to do something for us and asking him to do something in us. You know, when we ask God to bless, protect, help, lead, guide, and again, don't mishear me, those are good and right prayers to pray, absolutely. But when we ask God to do those things, they all relate to, most of the time at least, they all relate to things that are external to us, right? They all relate to things that are outside of us or around us or in front of us or before us. But when we get, begin to pray, Lord, do something in me, the focus of the prayer or the dimension if you like of the prayer shifts from the external to the internal and internal prayers are way more dangerous than external prayers yeah and they can be way more threatening yeah yeah when we're asking god to come and do something in us to, to, to come and interfere if you like i don't know if interfere is the right word but when we're asking god god come and do something in me come and come and work on who i am not just on what i do come and work on who i am come and take control of everything that i am about well those kind of prayers they're actually way more dangerous because they're way more threatening because the truth is friends whether we realize it or not all of us have parts of our inner life that we would rather nobody interfere with right there are, there are there are places and spaces in our inner being that we would rather just not let anybody interfere with i remember some years ago my um oh hang on my ipad's gone off sorry i remember some years ago my family and i we moved into a new house and um this was at the first house that we'd actually owned and one of the most um, exciting and attractive features of this house for me was it had a basement, right? This house had a basement. And uh, when we went to view this house, uh, the house was nice, a semi-detached, you know, free bed and the, the usual kind of thing. But the estate agent took us downstairs into the basement and it was this quite large space and it was clean and clear when we viewed the house and I looked at it and I thought to myself man cave right? <laughs> man cave I instantly began to imagine all of the fun and activity and potential that that space could hold for me I imagined myself you know being creative in that space I imagined it as a place to escape from the chaos of family life, I don't know if you know, family life sometimes gets a little bit chaotic, 
hey hands so up true. yeah absolutely yeah. a space <laughs> to <laughs> a space to escape from the chaos of family life a space to go and just connect with God and get away it was a space that I was so excited about using and it was what won me over to the house in the end and then um so moving day came we bought a house moving day came and uh, we boxed everything up and I had a team of guys helping me to move as you do and we got to the house and you know we'd start offloading furniture and boxes and whenever we come across a box or a piece of furniture that what I wasn't quite sure what it was because I didn't label boxes because I was <laughs> foolish whenever we came across a box or something that I wasn't entirely sure what it was my response would be hey whatever's in that box just put it downstairs in the basement for now and then in a few days time I will sort it out and so on moving day we ended up with the basement full of boxes that I didn't know what was in them or what was, what they were for and pieces of furniture that we weren't quite sure where to put in the new house and I fully intended over the course of the next few days right <laughs> I fully intended to get down there spend some time organizing sorting clearing making room for this space five years later right right five years later those boxes those pieces of furniture were still in the self same place right i kid you not they were in the same place that they were placed on moving day and in fact it was worse because over the course of five years that space had accumulated even more junk right even more yeah. mess and boxes and bits of rubbish and stuff that you didn't quite know what to do with stuff that you was rubbish but you didn't want to throw it away because it holds some sort of sentimental value. it would all just go in the basement whenever we had a bit of rubbish that we needed to take to the tip but it was too big to get down to the tip the the, the response was always we'll put it down in the basement for now and we'll eventually sort it out and so over the course of five years this space this room that held so much potential that held so much potential for creativity and space and connection with God and fruitfulness. It just became cluttered with stuff and junk. Yeah. And by the end of five years, I didn't even know what was in that space. And I shuddered to think, I shuddered to think what had actually begun to grow or live down there, right? I'm serious, I'm serious. This room just became fuller and fuller and fuller over the course of it. And every, every few months you'd think to yourself, right? You'd think, you would think, hey, you would think, I need to sort that room out downstairs. It's getting out of control. Every few months I would think that, but then I would very quickly get distracted by something else or yeah. ignore it completely because the truth is as it began to fill up with more and more stuff the thought of trying to sort through all that mess was just too much to bear I did not want to know mm. yeah. what was in that space I did not want to have to face the reality of the mess and the rubbish and the spiders and the cobwebs and the animals and the moldy <laughs> bits of food I did not want to have to face the reality of having to deal with all the stuff that had accumulated in that space and so what I generally did was whenever I had to add to that space I would unlock the door open it really slowly so that not, not everything fell out <laughs> chuck it in shut the door lock it <laughs> uh, 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 and then and then go away I just didn't want to deal with it right and I'm sure you all have situations in your life 
where you can relate to that kind of struggle. It may be something trivial like a basement that's chopped full of stuff. It may be a loft, it may be a garage. It may be something that's slightly more worrying. It may be something around finance. I remember several years ago, I was, at my, I was not in control of our finances. You know, I was just spending money. I had no idea how much money we had. And whenever I would buy something, I'd kind of hand over the card and just put the pin number in and kind of hope that it would, the transaction would go through. And I just didn't want to look at the reality. I never looked at the numbers in the actual bank account. And when I did, I would, I would, I would uh, log into internet banking. Maybe you can relate to this and it would be a bit like that. Yeah. As the page began to load up because I just wasn't sure what I was going to find every time I looked at the reality of where my finances was. And maybe that's something you can relate, relate to today. Maybe it's health. Maybe it's a health thing. You know, maybe, maybe there's something going on in your physical health that is troubling you, but you don't want to face the reality of what it actually might be. We have situations like this all the time in our lives. We have situations that are too big and too messy to, to, to really want to deal with them. And I just wonder if the same might be true when we begin to reflect on who we are in the deepest parts of ourselves. I just wonder if sometimes we do not really want to spend any time reflecting on what's going on in the deepest and the darkest parts of who we are because the reality is we're just not sure what we might find down there mm. right mm. the reality is we just don't know what is going on down there and we don't want to have to face the potential mess and chaos that actually opening up the doors to our inner life might produce I don't know if you can relate to that I think we all can to some extent because as I said whether we realize it or not there are spaces and places in the deepest parts of who we are that we don't want anyone to interfere with we don't even want to interfere with it ourselves and we certainly don't want God himself to begin to interfere with those places in our lives and so we keep our prayer life very very safe yeah. and we we restrict our prayers to the external realm. Mm -hmm. And our prayers become focused around, Lord, do this for me. Mm -hmm. Bless me, protect me, help me. Yeah. We keep our prayers in the external realm because we're too afraid to bring our prayers to the internal realm. And Pastor Greg Groeschel, and in fact the Bible would encourage and challenge all of us to regularly, from time to time, move our prayers from the external realm to the internal realm. To stop or to take a break from asking God to do something for us and instead begin to ask Him to do something in us. Instead of saying, God, bless me, lead me, help me, protect me, why not begin to pray, Lord, search me. Yes. Lord, change me. Lord, heal me. Lord, fix me. That's a dangerous prayer right there. Yeah. 
we find one of these dangerous prayers in the Bible. And if you've got one, which I hope you have, um, you, can, you can grab it right now. We're going to be in just two verses of a very well-known psalm, Psalm 139. Beautiful poem. You know the psalm, right? You're really familiar with it. Beautiful poem, which speaks about the wisdom, the knowledge, the power, the bigness of God, but at the same time speaks about the, the value and the uniqueness of every single human being it talks about how you can't get away from God's presence it talks about how God was the one who knitted us together in our mother's womb it talks about how God knows every word before it's even uttered from our lips how he knows every day before we've even lived it it's a psalm about the bigness of God and the uniqueness of every human being but there's two verses at the end of this psalm which I think are some of the most powerful and profound verses we find in scripture. I think there's two verses that form a prayer that has the potential to transform our lives yeah. beyond recognition. The prayer goes like this. David says this at the end of Psalm 139. He says, search me God and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting it's a beautiful prayer it's a powerful prayer it's a dangerous prayer yeah. it's a dangerous prayer because here and this psalm was written by King David here David is saying to God God I'm not asking you to do something for me right now he's saying God I'm asking you to do something in me right yeah. now it's a powerful prayer David says search me O God and know my heart that word heart in the original Hebrew language that the Old Testament was written in is the word lev or levav and it does translate as heart but in the biblical understanding the word heart is way deeper and richer and more profound and more powerful than the way we use it today. We often use the word heart to refer to the physical organ that keeps us alive. We use the word heart to talk about desires and stuff like that, but in the biblical understanding, it was way deeper than that. To the biblical mind, the word, to the Hebrew mind, should I say, the word heart was, was about the entirety of somebody's life. Everything that makes up who a person is, is bound up in this word lavav, heart. The heart to the Hebrew mind was the place where emotions were stirred. It was the place where desires were formed. The heart was the place actually where decisions were made. The heart to the Hebrew mind was the place where thoughts were processed. You know, in ancient days, they... Hebrew mind didn't have a concept of the brain as we do now and so in the Old Testament you don't really hear the authors speaking so much about the mind it's more about the heart the mind was more of a Greek concept that came later and then the brain came even later than that but in the Hebrew mind it was the heart was the place where everything happened where decisions were made where desires were formed where emotions were stirred where language was created 
it's the heart it was the entirety of a person's being it was the place where every word every action every thought every decision every desire every emotion it all emanated from the heart the heart was the entirety of a human being proverbs 4 makes this even clearer proverbs 4 23 says it says guard your heart with all diligence for from it throw the springs of life in other translations it says keep watch over your heart because everything you do flows from your heart every word every action every decision every feeling every dream every ambition it all comes from the heart this is even what jesus would suggest in matthew 12 he says out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks yeah. and jesus is saying every word you speak is not just some arbitrary word that is plucked out of the air or that is processed through your brain he says no 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 every word you speak emanates from your heart and that's challenging to reflect on it's not what we're going to be talking about today but that's challenging because you know when you say something that's upsetting when you say something that offends somebody when you say something that hurts somebody which we all have right our default response is always to say well i didn't mean it well actually jesus i think would say well maybe you did mean it because every word comes from your heart every word comes from your heart and here's david Psalm 139, he's saying, search me, God, know my heart. David is saying, God, I am giving you permission to dig down deep into the core of who I am. I am giving you permission, God, to interfere with the deepest, darkest, most profound, most intimate details of who I am, all the things that make me me, all the things that are unique to who you've made me to be. David is saying, God, I'm giving you permission to get down into the deepest parts of me and to begin to unearth anything there that doesn't honor you, anything there that is sinful, anything there that is dishonorable or harmful. I'm giving you permission, God, to dig down deep. I'm giving you permission to begin the process of sorting through all the junk and all the mess that might have accumulated in the basement of my life, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's David saying, God, I'm opening up the doors to this basement. I'm facing the reality of what's before me. I really want to get this thing sorted. I really want to get the stuff in here that is no use and unhelpful. And I really want to get rid of it from the basement of my life and when you begin to pray that prayer God truly does begin to unearth the deepest darkest places of who you are now listen listen there's a lot in your heart that is worthy of celebration Mm -hmm. right especially if you're a believer there is a lot in your heart that is worthy of celebrating worthy of honor worthy of praise there's a lot in our hearts that is good and helpful and useful and honorable but the truth is is as long as we are humans on this earth there will also be things in the basement of our lives that aren't so helpful 
that aren't so good, that aren't so honourable. You know, there'll be, there'll be some stuff in your heart and in my heart that is it's embarrassing, right? There'll be some stuff in your heart that is shameful. There'll be some stuff in your heart that upsets you, that there'll be some stuff in your heart that you would not want anybody to know. That's why we often just close the doors and choose not to think about it. But this dangerous prayer, David's saying, God, I'm giving you permission. I'm giving you permission to begin to search the deepest parts of who I am. I'm giving you permission to have a route around, to, 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 to overturn anything in my heart, to get into every corner, every nook, every cranny. I'm giving you permission, Lord, to search through my heart and to find anything in my heart that is offensive. And Lord, I want you to get rid of it for me. This is what David's saying. This is what this prayer is all about. It's a dangerous prayer. It's a dangerous prayer because when you start to search through a basement full of five years worth of junk, right? You don't know what you're going to find. You don't know what you're going to find. And when you give God permission to search the deepest places of your heart, you don't know what he is going to reveal. Because the reality is, is that we don't even know our own hearts a lot of the time, right? And you may think that's foolish. You may think that's ignorance. You may think that's discouraging. But I think the Bible helps us here. Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 8, he's praying a wonderful prayer at a dedication of the temple. And in verse 39, Solomon says, You, God, you only know the hearts of all men. As you read through the Bible, you begin to understand that only God truly knows exactly what is going on in the deepest places of who we are. He knows even more than we do. And when we pray, God, search me and know my heart, it's a dangerous prayer because we're not sure what God is going to find. And some of what he finds there and some of what he unearths and reveals will be things that make you cringe in horror. We all know the experience of thinking back over your life, right? Thinking back to when you were younger, five years, 10 years. Yeah. 20 years ago and this gets even more intense the older you get right mm. and i can say that because i feel like i'm an old man now right <laughs> and i look like it right but you all know the experience of just reflecting back on your life and some of the things you've done some of the things you've said some of the people you've hurt you know the experience of cringing in horror some of the things that you've done in your past, some of the ways you behave, some of the words that you have spoken, you know the experience. And praying this prayer is like inviting God to a way more intense version of that, right? It's inviting God to come and engage you in a process that is way more intense than simply looking back over your life and regretting some of the things you have done. You see, when you invite God to search your heart, it's dangerous. It's unnerving, it's unsettling because we don't know what he's going to find there. It's like we're inviting God to do open heart surgery on us. God, come and do open, you know, open heart surgery just in the physical realm is a dangerous thing. And this prayer is like open heart surgery for our spiritual lives. Like, God, come and do open heart surgery on me. And so it's dangerous. But friends, 
it is nothing to be afraid of. It's nothing to be afraid of. Because the surgeon is the best in the business. The surgeon of your heart is infinitely wise, infinite in his knowledge, infinite in his power, and immeasurable in his kindness. And so when you begin to pray this prayer, and God begins to answer this prayer in your life, and he begins to unearth the deepest and darkest places of who you are, things you are aware of, things you're not aware of. There will be moments that make you shudder with horror. There will be moments that make you feel deeply ashamed. But listen, when God unearths the darkness of our hearts, when he unearths the darkness of our hearts, he immediately, immediately follows it by unleashing a tidal wave, tidal wave of grace and mercy. Come on. Right? When God begins to unearth the sin and the brokenness and the dysfunction of our own hearts, he immediately follows it by unleashing a tidal wave of grace and of mercy. You know, the reason God wants to search your heart is not because he wants to embarrass you or condemn you or suppress you. The reason God wants to search our hearts is because he wants to heal us, right? And he wants to unleash grace. He wants to unleash mercy towards us, right? That's what God wants to do. In fact, Micah chapter 7 verse 18, it says that God it says, who, who among the gods is like you, O God, who forgives iniquity and delights to show mercy? You know, God is a God who loves to show mercy. That's what he delights to do. That's what gives him the most joy and the most fulfillment and most satisfaction is to show mercy to broken people like you and me. God loves to show mercy. You don't have to provoke God to show mercy. I don't know if you've ever noticed as you read through the Bible, especially the Old Testament, but the New Testament as well, you will often read about the people of God provoking God to anger right God is provoked to anger in other words it takes him a while to really get angry you really have to keep prodding and poking and rebelling and disobeying before he unleashes his anger but you never ever in the scriptures read about having to provoke God to mercy because mercy and grace is who God is that's who he is that's what spills out of him most easily. That's what overflows from his heart is mercy and grace. And so you don't need to be afraid to pray this prayer. You don't need to be afraid of God uprooting and unearthing darkness and sin and brokenness in your life. Because as soon as he brings it into the light, he unleashes grace. He unleashes mercy. He unleashes forgiveness and love into your life. In fact, the darker your heart is, the more grace he unleashes into it. This is what Romans 5 says. It says, where sin increases, grace increases even more. In other words, there is no sin. There is no brokenness. There is no rebellion. There is no darkness in your heart that can exhaust the grace of God. There is nothing in your life that is beyond the redeeming grace and mercy of God. Nothing. Come on. 
And some of you are scared right now. Some of you are scared. Some of you have got the doors to the basement of your life locked because you are scared of what God might find in there. And you are scared that if God finds the darkness in your heart, he's going to push you away. He's going to unleash his wrath and his anger. No. No. When God unearths darkness and sin in our lives, the first thing he does is unleash grace and mercy to wash it away. That's great. So good. This is who... God is and so this prayer is dangerous but it's nothing to be afraid of this prayer is powerful and profound and when you begin to pray this prayer from your heart when you begin to embed this kind of dangerous prayer into the to, into your relationship with God and your communion with him when you begin to ask God regularly not just to do things for you but to do things in you do you know what happens he begins to unearth and uproot and expose the places in your hearts that are dishonoring him, that are keeping you from being all that you can be. He begins to uproot and unearth them. And when he begins to reveal them to you, you know what it does? It humbles you into the dust, right? It humbles you into the dust because you begin to realize, wow, I'm way more broken than I thought I was, right? <laughs> I'm way more sinful than I ever thought I was but at the very same time because of his unleashing of grace and mercy you begin to realize that you're way more valuable than you ever dreamt you could be yeah. and that you're right. way more loved than yeah. you ever thought you could be and so when Come you begin on. to pray Lord search me and know my heart when you begin to pray that when you begin to plead with God to do that in your life, you become simultaneously more humble than you ever have been, but yet at the same time lifted to the heights of glory because you realize, yes, I'm way more broken than I ever thought I was, but at the same time, I'm way more loved and valuable than I ever dreamed I could be. You begin to realize that your heart is more dark and more broken than you ever cared to admit, but at the very same time, you realize that the grace and the mercy of God is wider yes. and bigger and more beautiful yes. and more glorious yes. and more powerful than you ever imagined it to be and so while the darkness of your heart tastes bitter the bigness of his grace tastes so sweet Come and when on. you begin to pray this prayer it's like you're humbled into the dust but lifted to the heights of glory at the very same time it's a profound experience yeah. it's a yeah. glorious experience and what it does is it sets you free Come on, friends this is a dangerous prayer it's a dangerous prayer but it's nothing to be afraid you begin to pray this prayer and there will be moments of discomfort. There will be moments of, of, of pain. There will be moments of heartache. There will be moments of hurt. There will be moments of just radical humility. But at the same time, there will be moments of a sense of everlasting, wonderful, glorious love and grace flowing over your heart. So don't be afraid of this prayer. Don't be afraid of praying this dangerous prayer. And I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to begin to pray this prayer. I want to encourage you to memorize these verses. Just two verses. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I want to encourage you to memorize those words and begin to pray them day by day by day. Pray, Lord, search me, know me, test me, try me, heal me, fix me, change me, mend me, melt me, break me. These are the kind of prayers that truly transform 
an individual. And, and, and actually, you know what? This, I think, is where revival begins. Revival doesn't begin by us pleading with God to save the lost. Revival doesn't begin by the church getting more focused on mission or more creative with their... Pro no, no, that's not where revival begins. Revival begins when the people of God get real with God. Revival begins when the people of God come before God regularly and begin to say, God, before I'm asking you to do anything for me, I am pleading with you to do something in me. Search my heart. Search my heart, oh God. Test me, God. See if there is anything in there that is holding me back from being all that you've called me to be. See if there is anything in my life that is creating a distorted picture of who you are to the world. See if there is anything in my life that is dishonoring you, that is keeping me from walking in the fullness of your purposes and plans. That's where revival begins, when the people of God get before God and get real with him and invite him to search them and know them, change them and heal them. Friends, this is a dangerous prayer. And there is loads more that I would love to say about this, but we are running out of time. It's been a joy to be here this morning to be able to share this with you. Please, memorize these words. Memorize mm. these words. I remember, I looked it up yesterday. I, I wrote these words down in my journal. 31st of March, 2008. God pressed these words on my heart. And I wrote them down in my journal. And I said, Lord, I'm praying this. I want you to search me. And I want you to know me. I want you to find in me anything that is working against all that you want to do. Two, five, 12 years ago. And I can tell you that God has responded to that prayer. And it's not always been easy. It's not always been nice. It's not always been comfortable. But wow, am I more in love with Jesus now mm. than I was then. Let me pray. Thank you, Father. We love you. You're the searcher of our heart. You know our hearts anyway, God. It's foolish trying to hide them from you, but sometimes we do, because we just don't want to face the reality of what's there. But Lord, you want, you want our hearts. You want our hearts. And Lord, today I give you permission again to search me and to know me, to test me and to lead me give you permission today to do that and I thank you Lord that there is no sin there is no rebellion there is no darkness there is no crime that exists in my heart that is beyond the redeeming grace and mercy of Jesus Christ mm. I thank you Lord and so it's a dangerous prayer Lord but we don't need to be afraid and I pray for my brothers and sisters who are listening right now I pray you give them the courage the will, the desire, the discipline to make this prayer a central part of who they are. In Jesus' name, for your glory, Father. Amen.